Tonight, I'm going to be talking to you from the uh, subject of a certain man. We're going to be reading from John chapter 5. You can stand if you want to. Um, be really cool if you did. I'm used to hanging out with y'all's kids and y'all's grandkids, and so just bear with me. I'm getting them right. Ain't that right? Where's my student section at? I can't hear you. Come on. Y'all do better than that on Wednesdays. There it is. Okay. We're missing a few. We got a few out on vacation, but that's okay. God still has something he wants to do tonight. John chapter 5. We're going to be reading from verses 1. Uh, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after whosoever then first after the trouble of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And the Bible says there was a certain man. Say there was a certain man. There was a certain man there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. That's a long time, Brother Charlie. 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had now been in that case. Been in that a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? It's the question of the day. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise up, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the praise and worship that you allow us to do so freely. God, we thank you for letting us live in a country that lets us do that type of stuff. God, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for the spirit of liberty that you've given us tonight. I pray right now, God, that you'll anoint me. Anoint the ears of the listeners tonight. God, anoint my notes. God, let your, let your word go forth tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You may be seated. A certain man. Look at your neighbor and say, a certain man. Oh, woman, but a certain man. Okay. The pool of Bethesda is just north of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. In his gospel account, John described Jesus going to such a pool surrounded by five covered colonnades. Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the first one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, John 5, 1 through 3. That's where we're taking this from tonight. But before we jump into this gospel story, I would like to use a little bit of time to create a, a little bit of cultural context of what was going on that day of Beth at Bethesda. You see, the Greeks had created a cult around Asclepius, the, the pagan god of healing. During the Hellenistic period, the Greeks built Asclepians, or ancient healing centers, all across the Greek empire. The ill, the disabled, and all kinds of sick people would gather in these, these hospitals, so to speak. They would drink and bathe of the water of the Asclepian and, they, and sleep within the temple walls. They slept on mats laid out 
in a section of the inner sanctum of the temple called the Abaddon. The Abaddon was supposed to be a place where divine dreams, where the Asclepius or his serpents might appear to give the sick clues about their healing. This belief made way into the cult of, of Asclepius. His temple, his temples were basically be, built near the sacred springs with shallow pools and baths. Participants would wait by the water praying and fasting and chanting until Asclepius or his helpful serp serpents churned the water. This was the best time for a healing miracle. When the bubbles or the ripples made their way to the spring or to the pool. Once a person was brought to the pool of Bethesda, they were left there. That was it for them. When they were brought to the pool of Bethesda, this was more of a last resort in hope for a miracle. Reading this story about this pool made me feel like this was more like a place where people just left to die. I can't do anything with them. We've done all we can do. We've hoped all we can hope. So pagan God, we leave them to you. The Bible says that there were all types of invalid people around this pool, Brother Charlie. There was blind people, sick people, lame people, broken people, hurt people. When you looked around this chaotic scene, there was all types of people. People scattered out all around this pool, all waiting for the same thing. All watching the water, all waiting and waiting and believing the same lie. Believing that some pagan god was going to come down and trouble the waters for someone to be made whole. There are actually historic accounts telling that when the water would begin to ripple, that you would begin to see people dive in head first, jumping, trying to be the first one in just to receive their miracle, only to be let down once again. What a chaotic scene at this pool of Bethesda. And as John gives his account on what happened on that day he begins to talk about a man who had been there in that state for 38 years John says among all the chaos among all the sick and all the hurting that there was a certain man there was a certain man waiting for his healing but this man come on here real quick Garrett I got I've got some help tonight y'all give it up for Garrett this is my Garrett this is my buddy right here This man had been here for 38 years. This man had veteran status at the pool, if you will. He was tenured around the pool. Everybody knew about this guy. Are you talking about that guy that's been on that corner for 38 years waiting on the same miracle, waiting on the same thing? Yeah, I know who he's talking about. John said it was 38 years he was waiting for his miracle. Now what the Bible doesn't record is how he got there. The Bible doesn't say that somebody just dumped a ball or that people just checked up on him or people just, somebody just brought him there. But it does say that he was there for 38 years. And it says that when Jesus looked at this man, he could tell, he knew. We all know that Jesus knows all things. But I believe in all my heart that there was a little bit of telltale signs that this man had been here for quite some time. That this man, you can lay down, Garrett, had been there waiting for his miracle. I cannot begin to imagine waiting in the same place 
for 38 years, waiting on the same thing. I can't wait for five minutes, much less 38 years. I don't know about you, but my patience is about this big. And when I want something, I want it right then. So if God's going to have to give me a miracle, I'm going to have to go on a fast because I need it right then. I'm just that type of guy. I know I'm just speaking from myself. I know that y'all have all the patience in the world. I know that y'all can just wait and wait and wait. But as for me and my house, we have no patience. We want it now. I love my wife. She did a wonderful job tonight. Let's give it up for her. Good job tonight. I'm blessed. But I can't begin to imagine waiting 38 years for the same miracle. Watching everybody else around me getting what I thought I should have. Watching my friends receive their victory over situations. Watching my people, my friends' uh, kids come back to church. Watching my friends' family get born again. Watching my friends receive a new house or a new car. I'm talking about where you are. Watching my friends receive blessings. I can't imagine for 38 years sitting in the same spot but also for 38 years watching people die watching people never receive their healing I can imagine the discouragement that this man this certain man must have felt watching people being drug out on deathbeds on body bags because they didn't receive a healing waiting their entire lives these people waited their entire lives for a miracle waking up each day wondering is today going to be the day that I receive my healing is today going to be the day I receive what I feel like I need is today going to be the day that I get what is mine watching every second watching that water never taking your eyes off of that water to me it reminds me of a movie called Groundhog's Day I don't know if you've ever saw that movie most of us probably have there's a movie called Groundhog's Day if you haven't watched it probably go watch it I don't think it's bad anyways go check out Groundhog's Day the guy wakes up every day and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And when I begin to think about this certain man, my mind goes to that, that movie for some reason. If you'll just indulge me to be a little carnal, I think about waking up every day and saying, well, here it is again. Well, I got to watch somebody else get blessed again. I got to watch somebody else receive their healing again. I got to watch all my friends post on Facebook about all the goodness and the new boats and the new houses and the, and the blessings. I got to go through it again over and over again only to be let down again and again. I don't know about you, buddy, but 38 years is a long time. And I can only imagine in the 38 years that this man began to make this place his home. That he began to lose hope. So he began to have people bring him stuff from his house. Because I don't know about you, but I need my stuff. My stuff is my stuff. It's like I love going places. I had a great time at camp. But none of that stuff was my stuff. So I enjoyed being with y'all. But I couldn't wait to get home because none of my stuff was there. That I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I love having my things. It's the comfort of my home. But I can imagine that he had some of his belongings there with him to make his life a little bit more comfortable. After being let down so many times and being in the same state so for, for so long, he lost hope. And he started putting down some roots and started making himself at home by the pool of Bethesda. Day in and day out, everything was always the same. And as human nature usually goes, this certain man made a life and a place that he was never, hear me church, 
This man made a life where he was never intended to make a life. This man was hopeless. He had lost everything. He was there by himself. The Bible doesn't account of any friends or any family members hanging out with him, keeping him company. All he was left was at this Bible times, daycare, if you will, or nursing home is what it seemed like. You see, you can see it in the language that when he begins to speak back to Jesus, that Jesus walks up to this man and says, do you want to be made whole? And his response is, sir, I have nobody. I've been here forever. I'm slow. This is my life now. Look around, Jesus. Do you see anybody else around here? Do you see anybody that can help me into the water? I don't know if your eyes are working, God, but where I'm at, this is it for me. This is all I'll ever have. This is all I'll ever be. This is, this is my life now. I was just dumped off here. This was a last resort for me. This is it. What a place to be. I don't know if you can tell, sir, but I've gotten comfortable with where I'm living. Well, that's scary. I've made a life here in this chaos, yet this place may seem chaotic. This place may seem crazy. This may, I, there, may, there may be death all around me, but at least I know I'm accepted here. At least I have people like me here. You know what? I don't like this place too much, but you know what? This place makes me feel, I'm going to preach a little while. This place makes me feel at home. And that's what happens to us as the cultural classic instance every time is we get put in a place and we begin to wait for our miracle and we begin to wait on things and we put our trust in things that we have no business putting our trust in. I want to tell you tonight that your miracle ain't on Facebook. I'm sorry, I've got it. I got Facebook. I love it. Your miracle ain't on Instagram. It ain't on Snapchat. It ain't on TikTok. It ain't on any of those things. I love those things. I like those things. I have them. But your miracle's not there. Your miracle's not by talking about somebody and hating on somebody else. Your miracle's not watching other people and seeing that they're getting blessed and talking bad about them. No, your miracle is found in Jesus. But this man couldn't understand that because he was stuck in the state that he was in. He became comfortable. He became comfortable. I'm here in the middle of the chaos. Jesus looks at this certain man, he says. Do you want to be made whole? When you look at this story in context, this wasn't just a, another miracle that Jesus was doing. Jesus had walked onto another pagan territory and confronted a long-standing cultural myth. He was sick and tired of these misunderstandings, and he was ready to make a few things clear. That he was the source of life, that he was living water, and that everything flowed through him. That's what God was showing up to do that day. I'm here to tell you tonight, Christian Life Church, that regardless of the chaos that's around you, Jesus is here and will always be here to set you free no matter what you're going through, regardless of how comfortable you may be. Man, we've got to stop putting our trust and faith in things other than God. We've got to stop putting our faith and trust in things other than things that are eternal. I don't know where you stand, but from where I stand, I choose to put my trust in something that's bigger than me. I set my feet upon a rock that is, that is better and stronger and higher than I. I choose to put my trust and my faith and my life in something that is eternal. So my, my question tonight is how long are we going to wait 
and gather around God this place is waiting for our miracle. How long have we bought into the lie where everything around us seems to be in disarray, where everything seems to be chaotic and we're comfortable where we're at? But I believe and I know with all my heart that Jesus is still asking the same question today that he was asking over 2,000 years ago. And it's, do you want to be made whole? But God, you don't know what I've been through. But God, I've given up on my promises. God, I'm battling with some homosexuality. Not me, but I'm battling with some homosexual thoughts. God, I'm battling with wanting to drink. God, I'm battling with wanting to quit the church. God, I'm battling with even showing up here on a Wednesday night. God, I don't even want to show up on a Sunday because I really don't even like those people. I just have to act like I do. God, I'm tired of putting a smile on my face and looking like I fit in when I really don't. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching to some real people here today, and that's some real problems. I choose to put my trust in Him and things eternal. But the question still stands today, do you want to be made whole? And it's the very end of this account that gets me every time. Jesus asked this man, hey, hey, do you want to be made whole? And the man looks back at Jesus and begins to make excuses. God, I can't. God, I'm not strong enough. God, I can't get in the water. God, I'm all alone. God, I have no help. God, I, I, I don't have any help. And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm not here for all those excuses. I'm not here for all those things. I'm asking you a question. Do you want to be made whole? Then Jesus looks at him and says these words. He says, rise up. Take up your bed. And walk. He looks at this man who had created a life. I brought some modern day things. He looked at this man and said, you've obviously been here a long time. How long have you been here? 38 years. You've been here for 38 years? What are you waiting on? You waiting on a miracle? What's everybody else here waiting on? 38 years? Do you want to be made whole? And he looks at him, he says, man, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And he grabs his bed, and what I love is the Bible doesn't say it. So I'm living, I think there's stuff there other than his bed, because he's been there for 38 years. He never takes anything else with him, he only grabs that bed and he walks away. But he walks away healed, and he walks away touched. But this is a three-step process. Step one, God says, you've got to rise up. You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith to stand up in the situations you're in. You gotta have faith to speak against the day that you're in. You gotta have faith to stand up for what's right and say, I know it might get me in a little bit of trouble and it may not set well with everybody else, but I refuse to fall prey to this culture around me. I refuse to fall prey to what's going on around me in my life. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to stand up for faith. And I know I may be comfortable where I'm at, but God, I'm about to get a little uncomfortable because I choose to follow you. So we have to rise up. Step two, he says, take up your bed. you got to grab that one thing that's been holding you down and you've got to rip it up off the ground and you've got to begin to carry it with you. You see, these problems may have carried me away from you, God. But I'm about to bring them to you. I'm about to lay them at your feet. I'm about to give every bit of it to you, God. Because I'm not strong enough, but you are. 
And step three, he says to walk. God is going to use what you've been through as a testimony to reach people just like you. I can just see it now, this man walking through the town. Hey, bud, it's the Sabbath. What are you doing walking around with your mat? But Jesus healed me. Where is this Jesus? You see, when we let God take the situations that we've been going through, and we let God get a hold of the real situations in our life, and we don't begin to hide them, I'm not saying you've got to tell everybody your business. That Don't do that either. Don't get on Facebook and post it. I will read it and like it. But you ain't got to do all that. But when you take what you've been through and you pick it up and you begin to walk with it and you begin to say, look what God brought me through. Look what God brought me. Look at my life. I choose to take up my bed. I choose to walk with God and I choose to follow Him. Thank you, Garrett. You can go sit down. When the people of that man saw that certain man carrying that in which he had laid on for 38 years, they were witnessing a miracle. And I want to ask you tonight, when people look at you, when you walk outside of these four walls, when you step outside of this church, are they witnessing a miracle or are they witnessing a mouth? Are they witnessing a miracle or are they witnessing a, witnessing a gossiper? Are they witnessing a miracle or are they witnessing someone sour and beat down and broken? What are they witnessing when they leave here? Is there a certain man or woman here tonight that is sick and tired of being broken. That is sick and tired of how, Toby, you can come to the music. I'm sorry, I should have called you a long time ago. But my question to you tonight, are you tired of being comfortable where you're at? Are you tired of saying, well, that's just how it is. That's just life for me. This is just the way it's always going to be. I refuse that. That's not the God I serve. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve likes to step into the chaos. You see, that pool that day was chaotic. There was people all around hooping and hollering. I imagine they were watching the water. Did you see that water move? Oh, it was moving. But it moved. And if they were like me, I'd be like, the water moved and everybody would dive in because that's just the guy I am. Play like that. But Jesus stepped on a scene that was chaotic. It was the pure description of chaos. And he found a certain man. And I'm asking you tonight, on a Wednesday night, I know this is out of, out of place a little bit, but has Jesus stepped into your life and are you that certain man? Are you that certain woman? Are you tired of walking around beat down, disgusted, and mad about everything? Are you tired of watching everybody and their brothers and sisters get blessed but you? Because I know I am. So, but I choose to put my trust in God. And you can stand all over this house tonight. I know with all my heart that if Jesus wouldn't have showed up on that scene that day, number one, we'd have never knew about the guy. But he'd have never received the miracle. He'd have never received what God had promised for him. Sometimes the chaos looks rough. Sometimes what we're going through looks bigger than us. Sometimes what's stacked against us looks taller than us. But I serve a God that says that's no match for me. 
I serve a God that says I can do all things. I, 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 I'm the God of the impossible. So I'm here to tell you tonight, be encouraged in your spirit. Because when you begin to see the chaos stacked against you, don't get comfortable. Rise up. Take up your bed. And walk. Follow him. Be the leader of your home. Stand up for what's right. Do what God called you to do. Be what God called you to be. Certain man. God's looking for a certain man. I don't know about you, but I want to be that certain man. Church, tonight as we begin to sing some songs and we sang that last song, I begin to watch my wife sing and I'm not trying to embarrass her so she please don't beat me up after church. But I begin to watch her, and I begin to watch her sing. And I begin to cry. Because you don't know what we've been through. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know what you've been through, David. You don't know what we've been through. You don't know the lonely nights. You don't know never feeling like you had a place to belong. You don't know watching all your friends get blessings while you didn't get blessings. You don't know watching your one-year-old get cancer while you had to sit there and be strong when nothing made sense. So I watched her tonight, and I saw God work a miracle right in front of my eyes. I said, God, I'll be a certain man. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you're at, but I do know that we serve a God that wants to show up in the chaotic time in your life and change things for you. So tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to pray together that God will show up in our lives, that God will help us through all situations, because that's just what he does. God, tonight, I pray that you begin to move on this congregation. God, let your spirit begin to flow in here. Let your anointing begin to step on the scene and do what only your anointing can do. Let it begin to break away walls, yokes, chains, bondage. God, let it break away every bit of it. God, I pray that you let us leave here changed tonight. Let us leave here realizing that, God, we are that certain man. And that, God, you would go through chaos for 